Hi, I'm Ron, and this is my wife, Patty. We are going to talk about grieving today. And just a little bit about uh, us. I'm an elder here in the Champaign Church of Christ. I am a national certified counselor and a licensed clinical professional counselor. I usually uh, special, I do specialize, and I usually focus uh, on marriage counseling, but I do have a real heart for grief and trauma. Uh, during graduate school, I did a semester project on grief. I also have read a lot of books and attended a lot of trainings uh, on grief. And Patty has her graduate certificate in church counseling from Harding Theological Seminary. So we're excited to be able to talk to you today. In fact, this is going to be a three-segment class. Each segment will be right around 30 minutes. Uh, the third segment, though, is going to be question answers. So here's how that's going to work. Any questions that you have uh, about grief, if you want to get a little bit more specific than what we're talking about, just e email those to me at ron at rcochran.com. And we'll take a look at those questions. And in the third segment, we'll do our best to answer those. So we're very excited about this. As far as the material used for this, it's from really a variety of sources. It's from grad school, from various books that we've both read and articles. It's also personal things from our lives. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's from the Bible as well. And one book I wanted to recommend to you, uh, it's written by one of our brothers in the movement, Dr. Timothy Summerlin, and it's called Grief, Journey, in Motion. And one of the things I like about this book is uh, because some of the books I have on grief are like this thick, well, maybe this thick, and it gets bogged down. It takes a lot to get through it. But it's a fairly brief book. The, the print's good size. It's uh, actually a handbook, so it's easy to, to uh, be able to, to go through. And he's got great stuff in it, so I did want to recommend that. So here's some of the things that Patty and I are going to talk about. We're going to give a biblical perspective on grieving, talk about types of grief and various information about grief. We're also going to talk about healthy ways to grieve and unhealthy ways to grieve. Mm -hmm. We want to give you some ideas on how you can help other people that, that are going through grieving because oftentimes we just have no idea what to say or do. I was just in on a conference call uh, a few days ago and uh, to one of the couples there, about all we could say was, uh, you know, we're not sure what to say other than that we're sorry, we're here for you. So we're going to try to give you some tips with that. And then, of course, answer your questions. So a little bit about our grief story. Uh, three out of the, uh, our four parents have died. Uh, Patty's mom died within this past year. So it's really pretty fresh for her. My dad uh, is the only one living in the four, and he's 95 years old. He lives in a nursing home, which very much is affected right now by the COVID-19 situation in that we can't we can't visit him right now. Mm -hmm. uh, other situations in grieving, it's not just about people that, that die. Uh, it's For us, it's friends that have moved away. And, of course, friends who have died. Uh, strained family relationships that we had back uh, when we were in college a long time ago when uh, we first became Christians. We've lost jobs, or at least I've lost jobs. Uh, Patty had a, a miscarriage that she'll talk about a little bit later. We've had uh, different pets that have died. And, you know, just an interesting uh, uh, thing about myself here, when my grandparents died, I, I loved them, didn't shed a tear. 
uh, when when our our cat died, I mean, I cried. And I'm not talking about a uh, Tracy curse during a communion talk type of crying. I mean, I bawled my eyes out. So it's kind of interesting sometimes the different reactions that we get from different types of grief situations. Uh, church crises that we've uh, been through different times in our history with the church have been times where we've uh, led to grieving. Uh, Patty was in a couple serious auto accidents uh, several years ago, and because of some birth defects she had, it's uh, radically changed her life ever since then. Uh, I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in Sunday service about my own health and how that's been affected. And I know that a lot of you are aware just recently, uh, Patty's been going through uh, her own grieving with the death of her sister. So I'm gonna let Patty go ahead and share a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, a number of you know that my sister Kathy lost her battle with cancer uh, just a few weeks ago. And um, it's been a real journey, but something that I've found that has helped me with this uh, is this scripture from Psalms 62, verses uh, 5 through 8. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is in him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And because of this physical distancing that we have gone through, um, at the death of my sister, it's been very interesting, different, um, in just how we process and how we go through the, the grief. Just even setting up a funeral was very different. Um, we had... Uh, just some members of the community who were resistant to the idea of the funeral home being open and having um, funeral service there. They're, you know, they were responding out of their own fear. Um, there was just at that service, uh, the funeral directors having to um, pay attention to all of the recommendations that were in place at that time, and so seats were placed six feet apart. And so we're having this service, and Ron's way over here. You know, there isn't a hand to hold. There, you know, we're not exchanging hugs and giving hugs. And so that was all uh, a lot harder, um, I think, on everybody that was involved. And then the day after, we buried her, but she was, it was a, a, plot that was three hours away where our parents were buried and there's no family home there anymore. So um, we went through the service, she's buried, but now we have nowhere to go. And there's just a few of us there. You know, not all of my sisters could attend. Um, borders were closed and, you know, they just couldn't all be there. Uh, but while we were afterwards, um, we still wanted to spend time together, but there's no restaurants that were open. So we ended up going through Chick-fil-A. They had a drive through open. And um, there was a parking lot just real close that was mostly empty. And so it was a cold and windy day that we're sitting in this, or standing in this parking lot, actually. And we are um, 
just telling stories and eating together and eventually laughing together. And it was a, a beautiful time, even though our circumstances were very different. So um, through that, this passage that I told you about, you know, it helped me to see that I can, um, just when I'm quiet and silent before God, He can calm my heart, or I can pour my heart out before Him, and He handles that well also. Now, if any of you are interested in looking at this, I wrote about it in an article, and it's in the Women's Ministry Minutes on our website. So, yeah, so I noticed, Patty, when you when you were recounting that, you most people use the term social distancing, but you right. use physical distancing. Right. right. That's because it's, it's more accurate that we are physically separated from each other due to restrictions from the virus. When we talk about being socially um, distant from each other, that means we're cut off. But we need to be connected still. And so uh, we're not socially distancing from each other. We're using even things like this today in, as ways to be able to still connect with each other. And I think that's a very important distinction that people need to make. Yeah, and I think it should be said that it's just it's just even more difficult right now with the physical distancing. And uh, we know that there have been uh, different people in the church that have had deaths in the fam their families recently. And whether it's due to the COVID-19 or whether it's due to just normal things that, that will uh, affect our lives, it's it's very hard. Mm -hmm. And so the different different types of losses that we experience in many ways are compounded right now. So some typical losses I mentioned before the loss of a loved one or a pet, uh, just the loss of a relationship, not necessarily somebody dying, but somebody moving away or there's a falling out between people, um, relationships uh, that tend to get separated because of family feuds or uh, divorce situations. Uh, recently, there's just a lot of fear, insecurity, and grieving that, grieving the loss of freedom to be able to go out where you want and do what you want, and a loss of jobs for some. I know some of you have lost jobs already, and so there's that fear of where this is going to go. And so we are in a process, even now, of grieving. Just the loss of a dream, the loss of youth, just I mean, a lot of you uh, a couple weeks ago saw uh, a little segment that popped up that uh, my friends Bob and Tracy were responsible for before I talked about uh, my little segment in there. And it was a picture of me from uh, a video with me in it from 1997. And you probably noticed the hair was uh, darker. It was fuller. I looked a little bit more like Devin back then in terms of being slender and uh, Yes, we, we, we lose uh, that youth, and that's, that's part of our grieving as well. There's uh, sometimes a loss of home, a loss of what we thought our future was going to be like. So we all deal with losses, but here's what makes it even more difficult. I'm not trying to pile on, but just to educate and help you to understand the grief process better. Sometimes we deal with multiple losses mm -hmm. simultaneously. There's primary loss and then there's secondary loss. Let me give you a couple examples. Primary loss might be 
uh, Mark Penner, he, he retired recently. So the loss might be of his current situation of where he's at in his job. The secondary loss might be the not having the camaraderie of being around people every day and the uh, the laughter the practical jokes all those things okay maybe that was just me when i was at jefferson but there's those things there's the esteem that comes from doing a job a primary loss might be the loss of a parent mm -hmm. secondary loss might be that a lot of us with older parents that have died a, a lot of that uh, extended family connection goes by the wayside there aren't the reunions like there used to be, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of primary secondary loss. I know uh, Patty had a primary loss several years ago with her accident, and you had secondary loss as well. I did. The primary loss at that time had to do with basically my health, you know, my, my sense of well-being as my body was just wrecked with pain and due to uh, a spinal cord injury that I received then. Um, but the secondary losses would have been, I, I lost my job. I could no longer work. And that meant I had a loss of income also. I was also in the process of applying to graduate school to get a master's degree in counseling. And um, although I was accepted, I could not go to school. I just wasn't strong enough or well enough to do that. So those were important losses, but, you know, it, it was a loss of a, a dream that I had, you know, and a dream that, you know, at one point that we would be able then to go into business together as counselors. Um, there was loss of relationships. I could not get out and physically be with people. There was too much pain. Um, when I did see people, they couldn't hug me because there was too much pain. So it was just on a multi-levels, a lot of different losses that I was grieving at that time. Yeah, so what Patty shared, I mean, that's when we go through things like that, that's too much to ignore. Yeah. That's too much to stuff. I mean, grieving, it's not only necessary, it is healthy. We've got to grieve. Jesus grieved. Think about when his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded and Jesus found out about that. What does it say that Jesus did after he fed the, the multitude? He went to be by himself. He prayed. He spent time with God and he spent time grieving. His good friend Lazarus, when Lazarus died, uh, what was Jesus' response in John chapter eleven thirty-five? I'll give you a clue. It's two words, and when I was a kid in Sunday school, it was always my favorite memorization verse. <laughs> Jesus wept. I mean, Jesus allowed himself to experience his loss. Think about back in the Old Testament in terms of just thinking about, well, how long should I grieve? And by the way, there aren't really hard and fast statistics with that because everybody is different. And I think it can get a little bit dangerous to start trying to put a number to that. But looking back in the Old Testament, when Joseph's father, Jacob, also called Israel, died, it says in Genesis chapter 50, verses 1 through 3, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in a service to embalm his father Israel. And catch this, so the physicians embalmed him, taking a full 40 days, for that was the time required for embalming. But in addition to this, 
The Egyptians mourned him for 70 days. They publicly mourned him for seven day, 70 days. So think about it. Mourning is really, it's typically public. And grieving is more private. It's more internal. So if Egypt and if Joseph mourned him for 70 days, what does that say perhaps about how long that Joseph may have grieved for his father? So that's why we don't want to put a number on it. It's different for different people, but it can take time. But what we can learn from these is God understands our grief. Jesus understands our grief and wants to comfort us. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to comfort us. He wants to give us rest. So you have to ask yourself, well, is that all type of burdens? Is that all type of grief? I mean, is it possible there's some grief that's appropriate, like the death of a parent, and some that are inappropriate, like the death of a pet? Now, Jesus doesn't delineate between the two. I mean, fortunately for us, he doesn't delineate between proper and in, improper grief. He just invites the weary and the burden to come to him for rest. And I am so thankful that um, he's here for us because uh, I know some of you, if you, if you're like Patty and I, you've gone through some pretty tough stuff in life. And I find that the older you get, the more uh, tough stuff that you, you go through. So grief, think of it this way. Grief is, it's in the eye of the one experiencing it couple types of grief I want to focus on, and, and you probably you can relate, I think, to this. There's intuitive grief. That's where when you're grieving, you're emotionally feeling your way through it. And then there's internal grief where when you deal with it, you're thinking your way through it. And there are people that are one or the other. A lot of us are probably more a blend of those. Uh, Patty and I were talking earlier and agreed that we both were kind of a blend of those. For me, I think it might also depend on the situation. When uh, my dad is 95, uh, my mom died uh, 13 years ago. My dad has wanted to die for a decade. Um, and he's he's really incredible person. Uh, just kind of a fun fact, my dad and Patty were actually baptized on the same day back in 1977. Uh, my dad, up until age 90, when he just couldn't do it anymore, was still mowing people's yards in the neighborhood, just voluntarily. He would take out his massive snowblower and he'd blow off people's driveways voluntarily. And he was trying to help people, serve people, even share the gospel with people. So, you know what, my dad's ready to die. I'm ready for him to die because that's what he wants. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I can, uh, I can think my way through that grief and be good with that. But I can't do that with every type of grief, especially the ones for me that are more relationship. Um, I mean, the death more of a relationship oriented where I've lost somebody that I really loved who, I mean, in terms of the friendship and there's become like a division between us. Those are harder for me to uh, internally grieve because I'm feeling so much and there's a lot more confusion. How did this happen? How did this get to this point? And I hope that makes sense, but that's kind of the way that it really uh, hits me. But either way you look at it, intuitive, internal, Jesus validates our loss. 
sometimes we don't do quite as good a job at validating each other's loss. Sometimes that's just because we don't know how to. Or maybe the best intention and we're not sure what to say. Sometimes uh, we can allow our own sin and selfishness to cause us to hurt other people when they're grieving. So there's a mixture of reasons, but fortunately, we've got Jesus, and that's the most important relationship of all. But you may have heard, if you've been grieving before, you may have heard where somebody maybe used cliches like time will heal everything or... Uh, God wouldn't give you something you couldn't handle. Yeah, those just aren't real helpful. Uh, sometimes you might have even somebody that says something like, you're so sensitive or you're so dramatic or all you talk about is your loss or uh, it's time to, to move on or, hey, quit being the victim here. Uh, you're not the only one suffering a loss or, hey, it could be worse. I mean, those are all things that uh, that sometimes people say that just aren't helpful. And some of you that are listening to this today, you can like say, yeah, you know what? I've heard that before. And you're right, Ron and Patty, it wasn't helpful. Uh, Patty has, I know, gone through things. There were a couple things with your grandparents, your grandpas, I think, when they were right. dying. Right. Um, when my mom's father died, um, we had, of course, the, the typical funeral. And a couple of weeks later, it really hit me that, oh, and I was just having a bad day. <clears throat> I was grieving. I was sorrowful. And I shared with a friend um, what a hard day I was having. And the response that I got was, uh, it's been two weeks already. It's time to get over it. Let's move on. And Frankly, that wasn't helpful at all. Um, when my father's dad passed away, um, we were having a small service right at the cemetery in the chapel there. And as the fa families gathered around, we waited and waited. And finally, the person who came to do the service, he rushes in and he stands before us and says, Okay, come on, let's let's get this done and over with. Hurry up, hurry up, let's move on. It, you know, and he spent maybe five minutes with us. He was done. And I mean, that also was not helpful in any way. Um, you know, when I had a miscarriage, I had a friend come forward who'd had a miscarriage many years before me. And she was well-meaning. But she was explaining her grief, and her grief all these years later was still as raw as the day when she had her miscarriage. And I thought, oh my goodness, if grief is like that, I don't want to go through it. That is not what I want to do. And so I started to stuff my grief. You know, well, two weeks later, I found myself traveling to a conference with a, a group of women who all were either pregnant or just had babies. And I was struggling with this because I didn't have one to be looking forward to. And, um, you know, I, I think my friend meant this as encouragement, but it, it didn't quite come across that way. But she was challenging me to, it's not all about me. Yeah. You know, I needed to find ways to look out for other people. And although that was true, 
it did not come across in the encouraging way that it could have. Um, you know, when my father died, and I took a, a few days off of work, and when I went back, my coworkers were wanting to encourage me. But what really happened is as they were encouraging me, they started telling their story of their grief. And before you knew it, it was about them. And I was having to comfort them for their grief. So all of these things, um, maybe well-meaning, were not very helpful. I was thinking about the scripture in Matthew 5, 4. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. And you know, I, I think about that, and I think, well, what is so being blessed by being mourned, mm -hmm. by mourning? Mm -hmm. And the best I can think of is that because it's a testimony that God is with us, and God will comfort us, and it's, I don't know, what do you think? You know, I, I've been thinking about that. Um, you know, recently our neighbors lost their little boy um, to leukemia, and I, I watched um, the community that they are a part of just gather around them, you know, and this public um, outshowing of outpouring of mourning, you know, had all of these people with them for, you know, maybe two weeks. And so I, I think that they were being comforted because they were allowing people in to their lives. And I think another way that we're comforted is when we allow God in to be able to help us and that we're not shutting God out because we're angry over the situation. Yeah, and even with allowing um, God in, even with allowing people in, I mean, there's just no way around it. Grieving is tough. And there... Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a lot of people have heard her name decades ago, came up with the, the five stages of grief. And those, those stages actually were written for people who had just been diagnosed with a terminal illness. So not really intended to be applied to somebody that's grieving over the loss of a family member or other types of grief. And even with Kubler-Ross's stages, it's not linear. I mean, people bounce back and forth between those, but there are uh, three stages that Dr. Timothy Summerlin refers to in his book that I mentioned earlier that are pretty well agreed on by different experts in grief. And the first of the three stages that people go through is shock and numbness. And that's at the very beginning. You find out what's happened or you experience what happened and you're just you're, you're numb. And there's a lot of fatigue. You're just worn out. There's sadness. There's anxiety um, and, and denial as well. And during this time, you're so in shock that you're, you're planning your fu the funeral. You're going through the motions, the details. Um, and God's really protecting you from being as overwhelmed as you might be. And that numbness, that shock is really kind of a blessing at that time. And of course, you also have a lot of people that have gathered around you at that point, not as much later, but at that point, a lot of people are there. And those first few days can just be 
a blur. And so that's the first stage, shock and numbness. The second one, and this is a, a much longer one, and it's a stage of disorganization. It's when we're very often in emotional disarray. There's, we're in physical, we're in mental upheaval, we're feeling guilt and agitation and reverting sometimes back to denial. And there are periods of where everything seems like normal, and that alternates with periods of deep sadness and deep uh, depression. Yes, I, I remember back this summer just talking with my sister, and she was sharing with me that she was going through what she termed waves of grief. As she was trying to come to terms with, she had a terminal illness, and um, life was not going to be as she had hoped and imagined it would be. So that took quite some doing. Um, and I, I think also at the time that my dad died, um, I, I was going along a few weeks later doing some shopping. And then all of a sudden some music came on the radio and I'm in the parking lot bawling. I'm just sobbing simply because the music reminded me of my dad and I was missing him. So that was hard. But, you know, even I had experienced uh, waves of grief when we lost our, our pet, uh, our cat. And I'm out doing some shopping. It was Christmas time. And suddenly I'm walking in this store and there's this white cat with blue eyes in a tree at eye level to me. And I'm just trying to, I'm telling myself, hold it together, hold it together. You, can, you know, people here aren't going to understand me just bawling and grabbing this cat and just hugging on it. Um, the cat, that stuffed cat, had to come home with me. Um, that just helped me. Now my kids, they hate that cat. <laughs> but they, all of them, they hate that cat because it, it reminds them of um, a pet that was lost that was dear, so. Yeah, but our two-year-old granddaughter, Tegan, loves, loves our uh, stuffed pet. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes it's a song, uh, like Patty said, a movie that we watch. Maybe it's something on a billboard uh, that reminds us and just takes us back into grief. And, and that's, you know what, that is to be expected. So don't freak out mm -hmm. when that's happening. Don't think there's something wrong with you. When my uh, mom died, um, I, as I said, I, I'm kind of an internal griever in a lot of situations. And again, with her situation, I'd work through it with my mind. Um, and I, I felt good about the situation. I even did my mom's funeral. And I remember a couple weeks later, we were singing a song at church. Couldn't tell you what it was. I was standing in the front row and suddenly it hit me and I just started crying. So these things can be triggered and it's to be expected. In the disorganization stage, uh, we can, um, you know, as they might say in Texas, uh, be a hot mess. So here's the thing, lean into your pain. Don't avoid it. Don't stuff it. Lean into it because stuffing it and denying the, the pain and the grief that can lead to a lot longer uh, grieving process and a lot more struggles. And we may end up taking our, our grief out on other people in other situations if we're not allowing ourselves to deal with it. But leaning into your pain, into your grief, what do you think that means? 
If you look at John chapter 16, verse 20, it says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. It means that it is good to grieve. It's good to weep. It means to fully accept um, your loss. It's okay to miss the person. It's, it's, it means that we remember that God is with us, walking with us through this grief process. And it means leaning into our grief that we're being honest about our thoughts, about our emotions, about guilt, about anger, even anger that we struggle with with God. Leaning on Jesus, as Patty said before, leaning on other people. It's bathing ourselves in memories. One of the best ways to grieve is to tell stories. I mean, that's partly what we were doing in the parking lot after uh, Patty's sister's death. We were telling stories. We, we were laughing, reminiscing, reminiscing about um, her sister, but just about uh, all of us and kind of life growing up and growing up with our kids as well. It was, it, it's looking at pictures and even making memorials. Um, some people will plant a tree or make a plant or do something that just memorializes the death of a loved one. And then the third stage or the, in our grief journey is restructuring. After we've gone through the shock and the numbness, we're dealing with probably that much longer period of time of disorganization. We start to restructure, which means that we are readjusting to our new reality. Patty had to readjust to what life was going to be like without her, um, without being able to do what she was able to do prior to the, the accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, after the accident, I got to looking at some scriptures and one that became helpful to me was in Romans five verses three through five. And it says more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, when I looked at that, it made me think, is this, does this automatically happen? I'm suffering through uh, grief of various sorts, and now suddenly I'm going to be over here on the other side to hope and everything's okay. And as I thought about that, I thought, no, it's not automatic. You know, there's things that I can do that can stop that process, or there's things that I can do that can help that process. And as I took a look at myself, I thought, okay, um, has suffering improved? produced perseverance or endurance in my life. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm enduring. I'm enduring this pain and, and trying to keep moving forward. That's, I, I got that, you know, but is it producing better character, a good character? Is my character growing through this? And I had to truthfully say, no, it wasn't. And I had to look at why. You know, what was I doing that stopped my growth? And so I was able to pinpoint some things, um, you know, and one of the things was just blaming, blaming 
others, blaming the situation, blaming the pain, you know, and start looking at, you know, what, what can I learn from this? How can I move forward even in pain? You know, what is it that I can still look forward to? So as I took a look at that and started moving forward, then I, I did eventually come to a point where, you know, hope was alive in my life again. Yeah, in terms of restructuring our lives, I mean, Patty's very much known for her uh, her depth of spirituality, her wisdom. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of people, you know, I do my blah, blah, blah. And then Patty says these couple things mm -hmm. that people are just like, ah, oh, you know, and, and I will tell you, though, that that accident, those two accidents and what she went through at that time, that was the turning point for her. Mm -hmm. That's when she uh, really did a deep dive into the scriptures, into a relationship with God. And all that she is today is how her life restructured from that time. So yeah, just to, just to kind of wrap this up for today, uh, we talked about the three stages of grief. Uh, we talked about uh, the first being numb, numbness and shock. We talked about disorganization. And then we talked about restructuring. We talked about leaning into our grief. We talked about how grief is biblical and about uh, how Jesus comforts us and God gives us strength during grief. Uh, we really look forward to next time. One of the things that we're going to start with next time is that we want to talk about unhealthy grieving because we have said that grief is it's different for different people and that there's not really necessarily a timeline, but there is unhealthy grieving and there are distortions that can very often occur in our thinking mm -hmm. that will make grieving a lot harder for us and a lot harder for our family as well. So we're going to talk about that next time. We're also going to talk about how we can help other people, how we can be there for other people who are, are grieving. And just to give you a little teaser for that, something that encouraged us so much, it was either yesterday or the day before I walked outside uh, uh, the front of our house and there next to the front door was a, a plant and a card uh, from Jim and Betty to, to Patty, just letting her know that they love her and are with her through this time of grieving. And that, that just meant so much mm -hmm. to both of us. So just a little bit, a bit of a teaser. We're going to talk about ways that we can help other people. And just a reminder that uh, you can email uh, us at Ron at rcochran.com and put your questions in there about grief and we'll start looking those over and we'll either uh, throw a little bit of that in next week or we'll start then the week after that. So thank you. You guys have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.